podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I hope everyone is having a wonderful Thursday evening. Um, yeah, there's a lot to discuss again. It seems like every time we get a guest on to go live, something big drops. Last time, I think we signed Endo after missing out on Caicedo. And today, um, Mo Salah is now linked away from the club. And Mike joins us, literally just joined us. The intro was playing. So, Mike, you couldn't have um, timed that any better. Listen, right in the door, right at the end. So I made sure I was in on time, though, didn't I? So, close. you know what? I might have to make these streams a bit later because I was just speaking to um, Matthew off air, and he said as well that he's just got in. So, uh, yeah, we might <laughs> have to look at that. But um, pleasure having bro. you on. Yeah, so pleasure having you on, Matthew, with us. Yes, thank you very much for having me on, gents. It's nice to meet you both. How you doing, brother? Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Better now I'm in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, but guys, please make sure you smash the like button on entry. That is all we ask. Um, it helps us more than you will ever know. And uh, we'll get straight into things in just a moment. I need to also shout out the podcast sponsor, which you guys know by now. But for any new listeners or potential Newcastle listeners, there is a discount code for your foot card down below in the description. TAT pod, you get 15% off and their new range of EAFC cards, which are a slightly different design, as you can see up there, um, are now available on the site. So you can get play art, you can design your own cards, you can even get yourself on there. Yeah, check check out the site, guys. Just see what you think, and use TAT Pod at checkout for 15% off. Also, I need to announce that, again, thanks to your amazing support, channel members, memberships, and Super Chats are now available. Now, I said it last time, me and Mike aren't going to go out and buy a new pair of um, Jordans with, if we make any money from it. Any single penny we get from Super Chats or potential memberships will go straight back into the pod, getting you know special guests on, just improving what we do. So, um, yeah, thank you once again for showing your support. We've recently become a monetized channel, which is absolutely sensational. So, um, yeah, let's get into it. Matthew. Uh, talk talk to us, mate. Last time we spoke to, well, we've not actually spoken to a Newcastle, but let's say we have. The last mm-hmm. time we would have spoken to a Newcastle fan, I think you were just up and coming. The Saudi investment had just come into your, your club. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bit of, I think, underwhelming feeling of what they've done on the transfer front. We fast forward to now, mate. You're in the Champions League and we're not. So first of all, yeah. has it sunk in yet that you're going to be Playing in the Champions League next season. I don't. Oh, to, be on, to be honest, mate, I don't think it'll sink in until I'm stood in St James's Park, or maybe maybe stood at the Bernabeu. Who knows? Hearing that Champions League music won't sink in till then. Yeah, it's been an absolute. The last time you spoke to a Newcastle fan was when the takeover just happened. It has exceeded any kind of what 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 were minimal expectations from my side. It was a case of keep us up. Keep us up, please, when the Saudis first came in. And to now think that we are a team that goes places like Man City on Saturday and gives them a bit of a go and doesn't put every single man behind the ball. The fact we play in Champions League, the fact we got our first cup final in 25 years. It's been an absolute roller coaster. And I know a lot of Newcastle fans' expectations are changing naturally. Some may be higher than others. For me, 
I'm still just enjoying every moment of the ride. Genuinely, I am. Absolutely. Um, it wasn't long ago where you went down and our own Rafa Benitez had to save the day. And I think, yeah. you know, just from, from then, really, the, the way you've progressed as a, a team is insane. We're getting some comments before I bring Mike into it. Um, Stefan says, afternoon, guys. How are you, my friend? I've never been this emotional during the chance window before. I fully feel you on that one. Uh, surely we not effing sell Salah without signing a replacement. Surely, even if we signed a replacement, absolutely not. Unless your name's Kylian Mbappe. There's no. Um, all I'm seeing this transfer window is players getting linked with other clubs and leaving no news on incomings. That's what Michael says. And we will get into the transfer front for both clubs in just a little bit. But Mike, the elephant in the room, which I think we're just going to address straight away because I think the people are here to to hear the the opinions on it, on our front on Mo Salah uh, potentially being you know taken to Saudi Arabia. Um, all right. All right. I mean, have listen, you seen the news, first of all? Because I, I know you've just got in. I have. I've been reading it, but I want to make it very clear. I'm here to talk about Newcastle, right? So let's put the Salah stuff to one side. In my opinion, Salah being linked, it's just stuff for media speculation. We control... We have to, we have to speak about this. it for a little we bit. We do, we do. And I'll feed into it for a minute because I've got a million and one questions for Mr. Black and White. Uh, but listen, I'll say, <laughs> I'll say this openly. I'll say this openly about Salah. I do apologise, mate. you just got to listen to a little bit of Liverpool propaganda. It's, you go it's, for it. You go for it, mate. Yeah, pay of admission, right? So, Salah for me, listen, they're apparently offering him a three-year contract just on double his wages for Liverpool. He's made it very clear that he wants to stay here. He signed a new contract last year. His agent came out three weeks ago and said he wasn't leaving. I imagine he came out at that point, not just because of a little bit of speculation, but probably because that was when the first offer was tabled in terms of um, you know, personal, personal terms. I don't see him going anywhere. I really don't think there's need to panic. I think because now people get paid for Twitter engagement, there's been a massive uptick in ITKs and Fabrizio, who actually I respect Fabrizio a lot. He's a fantastic uh, you know, individual in what he does. But at the end of the day, it's an engagement game. And I do feel like Newcastle and Liverpool fans are getting taken on the roller coaster when it comes to uh, transfer speculation, right? It is what it is. In Fabrizio's defence, he has said that Mo Salah hasn't communicated that he wants to leave and Liverpool don't view him as... Yep. But he also was very smart, wasn't he? Because he also commu- he also tweeted out, but he hasn't said no. And I've seen a bunch of people that I respect as well. Like, I respect Josh, Josh LFC. I think he comes across like a great guy. Uh, but I've seen him see- pick up on that as well. I've seen you two have a little bit of a... I see all your little engagements, man. Everyone you talk to on the timeline, I read it. I never like a single tweet, but I see it. Right, and I've seen that little engagement with Josh, and Josh said himself, like he was like, but he's you know he's not said no yet, you know, and I think it's just we need to get the transfer window out of the way because whether it's good or bad come the end of it, I think it's just draining every Liverpool fan right now. I think Newcastle have have had a very interesting transfer window. I'd love to talk about that in a moment, but Ben, I want to ask you, and then I'll actually ask you yourself, mate, from the inside, Ben, how do you feel about Salah potential transfer? And again, for what I'll ask you as well, following from Ben, is what do you think of Liverpool's business from the outside looking in? And then we can move. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I made my stance very clear because I think the plain business that a section of the fans are doing, I don't agree with it. Everybody knows my thoughts on that. But I have said if Mo Salah leaves the club, I will donate £100 to it. That is how <laughs> confident I am that Mo Salah is not leaving the club. So I think that pretty much sums up how I feel about it. Obviously, there's always you know, the interest in the Saudis and the money that they can give him is just insane. But I just don't think that money's going to go anywhere. I think he could 
come to a gentleman's agreement similar to Harry Kane with Tottenham. You stay for another 12 months next season. The next summer comes around, the door's open for you to do whatever you want. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, like you said, Rami did come out a few weeks ago and say he remains committed to the club and they've not had discussions about him leaving. Of course, this seems like fresh interest. This isn't the one that was from before. Apparently, they doubled what they were going to offer him before, which, you know, money talks. And no matter how often and how much these players say that they're committed to Liverpool, they love the city, they love the club, you know, eventually, inevitably, it's their job. Like, you know what I mean? It, it only comes once. But what I will say for Mo Salah is that money's not going to go anywhere. He could go there at 34, 35 and still make that money. So um, it remains to be seen what's going to happen. I do think it's too late. Maybe if this was at the start of the window and it gave us an extra 150 mil to rebuild the whole team, maybe they would have thought, actually, yeah, you know what? Maybe we can do that. But now with eight days to go, there's not really a, a right winger that can come in and do what Mo Salah does for us. I just don't see it happening. But um, yeah, you're right, Mike. We do have a guest on the show. We are going to talk more about Newcastle. And that segues into your transfer window. Um, and what I will say, Matthew, is I think when Newcastle were taken over by Saudi Arabia, everyone had like this thing like, oh, they're just gonna they're just gonna splash money, they're gonna sign all these hundred million pound players. But I'm actually quite impressed with how you've operated and you know, you've not done like what a, a Chelsea or United would do with this money. You've actually made some really smart purchases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would I would definitely agree with that. And I think of course when all the talk of the wealth um, was brandished around when they first came in, which you know you, you were constantly getting, which was mind blowing. We were getting stats and charts put in our in our faces of, of our wealth compared to every other club in the world, and it was absolutely mind blowing. So naturally, yeah, we all thought, are we going to go for a Neymar? Are we going to go for an Mbappe? Which you know they wouldn't you know. have their heads turned by Newcastle, but we didn't know whether <laughs> they were just going to go in and be like very similar to what Man City did with Rubinho. Yeah. That like that statement signing to bring in, which maybe wouldn't necessarily be the greatest player. He'd only be coming for one reason, and that would be money. But we did maybe think that's where we'd go. But what has been put in place from a strategic point of view, I personally think has been massively helped by Eddie Howe. I do. I think Eddie Howe does not want them sort of characters in his dressing room. And I've just done a video today on, on Lewis Hall because, again, for me... To, to add to what I think has been a great transfer window, I think Lewis Hall is such a smart sign. And yeah. we, were, we, were, we were really lacking balance on that left-hand side. Um, you know, we've got Trippier supporting Almiron or whoever would be playing with him on the right. And then on the left, we're very restricted from an attacking point of view from Dan Byrne and Matt Target, who both sound enough defensively. Yeah. And I think Lewis Hall really, not only is he a player that can play now, he's a player for the future because he's so young and it's... It's just a great, in my opinion, it's a great bit of business. Um, and we keep pulling those kind of signings out of the park where, yes, we've had the big ones. Isaac, that came out of nowhere. I was, my mind was blown by that 60, 63 million that was spent on him with a couple of days of the window left. You know, we've had uh, we've had Bruno, which was quite a high-profile signing yeah. when he came in because he was coming awesome from... Yeah, he was coming from a Champions League team and he was coming to a relegation threat in Newcastle at the time. Mm. We've had the big ones, but it's all the little ones around him. Like I think, exactly. think Livermento can play both both wing-backs and Trippier's not getting any younger. All of the signings we make him, there's a, it's not just that he's good, let's get him. There's other teams sniffing around him, which is a very common theme in, in football today, I think. It, it's more, 
Eddie Howe's almost got like a board in his in his house that his wife's probably sick of where he's marking off positions <laughs> one by one. Like we need a bit more balance there. We need more depth there. And we're not losing anyone because we're not the club, we're not the club to sell anymore. So no. yeah, I'm 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 happy with this window. I've been happy with the last few. I know you said some Newcastle fans were maybe unhappy when they first came in that we were maybe bringing in Chris Wood, who <laughs> you can look back on it, wasn't the greatest of signings, but Chris Wood did a job at the time. Yeah, we were without, we were without a striker in Callum Wilson's uh, hamstrings being made of cheese, and he came in and he he didn't score many, but he led the line, and we had no one to do that at the time, and he and played half. Th- that sent Burnley down as well, didn't it? At the yes. time, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was forty chess, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, what an investment that is. You you paid twenty mil to relegate a team. I mean, cracking work, really. Uh, they're they're grateful for your long term, though. I tell you that the football they're playing now. Um, I do have a question for you. So I think. From my perspective, outside looking in, when you guys got the initial owners, I think I was in a similar... I, w- I, I was in the majority. I'll be very open and honest with you. I was in the majority. I seen that and I got worried for the sense of, I thought you were going to go... Do you remember QPR? Do you remember when QPR first got took over when they were in the yeah. Prem? And yeah. I, people can easily use Chelsea as the example now, but QPR were the example I had in mind where they went and bought... It must have, it must have been 15 players in 12 months, right? It was 15 yeah. first-team players in 12 months, right? And I thought Newcastle were going to go that route. They were just going to go try and sign a bunch of players without real any real game plan. And I've instantly been proven wrong by it. I think, to be honest, I think you guys have had the smartest transfer window out of any of the top eight teams. I agree. Um, and and because you you look at the look at the players you signed, you know, you've not gone for names that are going to make headlines in the sense, ex- except for Tonali, which again, phenomenal styling. Well, I got the list here. I'll just run it through. Sandro yeah, Tonali, 55 mil. Harvey Barnes, 38 mil. Tino Livramento, 33 mil. Um, Young Kumbu, Minta, 7 mil. And obviously, Lewis Hall. Those valuations are from transfer markets. So and obviously could be slightly off, but yeah, that's what they've done so far. Yeah, so you look, you look at that. You've, you've got a fantastic midfielder in, I think. You bringing in Lewis Hall and Livermento, you've you've just injected youth and energy in your in your fullback positions. Hall is a phenomenal acquisition as well. I think it appeases not only your long term plan, but obviously he's a young player, he's a Newcastle fan, so mm-hmm. it just ticks a lot of boxes. So from your side of things, you know, we talk about are you surprised with 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 it when you look at the team that you've assembled now. Do you look at this league and go, okay, oh, we're we're underdogs this season. People aren't expecting us to retain Champions League. Do you expect yourself to retain Champions League with the with the signings? Um, it's is that the ambition? It, it, I think our ownership, and it's become more highlighted by Amazon. I don't know whether you've watched Newcastle's <laughs> first couple of episodes that have been released. Oh, I haven't, I haven't yet. Are you learning a bit more about them? Not so much. I don't necessarily think Merdad and Amanda, but I think uh, I'll run me on and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Our chairman, who's mm. not not over in you. Sorry if I'm up and down, by the way, it's because my dog can be a bit of a nightmare. It's when all I'm right, mate. Don't worry about I've got I'll... a labradoodle, mate. I know what it's like. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I think if you would have asked me before the Aston Villa game, um, just before the season had started, I did all my predictions. I said I'd be happy with maybe fifth or sixth. I still, I think we can cause a surprise in the Champions League, and I stand by that. I think as the fourth seeded team, a lot of teams will come to St James's Park and be very surprised at what they have to play. I agree. Um, with that. League, I, I do still think. I think we're going to be in there because it's it, this conversation will be very different two weeks ago because your brain is fogged a little bit by what you've seen in the opening two matches, yeah. if that makes sense. And like Man United, for example, 
they look all the sixes and sevens. That they look like they're balancing their teams yeah. massively off so far. I thought Man United might have bedded in this year a little bit more under Ten Hag and had a better season, but it's only two mm. matches. I, I do think we'll be in, in and around there, and I think what our biggest worry as fans coming into this season was squad depth with the extra fixtures. Now that's been flipped on its head a little bit through pre-season and through the signings we've had. If you look at our squad now, I'm not saying the players that would fill in for first teamers are of the quality of Champions League or top four or anything like that. Yeah. But we do actually have almost two teams. And in pre-season, we played Villarreal and Fiorentina across two matches in 48 hours. We fielded two totally different teams and we smashed both teams comfortably. You're we missing a right centre-back though, aren't you? You're missing a right centre-back. Yeah. I mean, we've got we've got the cells who... His quality's not there and he's not, he's not on par with the others. But now that Hall's come in, Dan Byrne, for, in my opinion, is quite a sturdy a sturdy left-sided centre-back. He's not, he's, he's not he going to put trees up. Mm. Um, but he's, his versatility to be able to play left-back and, and centre-back, and to be totally honest with you, I think if you ask Dan Byrne, he prefers playing either as part of a three or a back-forward yeah. centre-back. He's only, he's only happy to see left-back out because he's playing for his boyhood club and he, <laughs> it's keeping him in the team. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I would say I think we'll be in and around there. That's probably not the answer you want. Uh, probably makes me sound. Uh, I don't bed. mind it. I don't mind. Yeah. I don't know how Ben feels, but I don't mind it. No, I think I think they'll be in the mix for top four again. I, mm. I'm not sure if they'll, you know, like like Matthew says, the 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 schedule could be a thing, especially if they get a tough Champions League group. Um, well, I guess any Champions League group is tough, but you know what I mean. Like, if they got the group of death, for example, yeah. you can't really afford to rotate. Whereas, if you get like one solid team yeah. and then two not so good ones, you might be qualified by the fourth game week, so then you can rotate. So, I think there's a lot of factors into it. Obviously, cups, I'm sure they'd love to win a cup after getting a sense of it of getting to Wembley again last season. Um, I'm sure you know doing that again will and going the step further will you know will be the dream and the icing on the cake for the owners so far. But I just want to go back to one sign and you briefly mentioned Matthew and this player. I've got stocks, you know, I've tweeted about this guy for the last three years. I think it was I tweeted about him for the first time and I really wanted Liverpool to sign him when we needed a centre forward. And his name's Alexander Isak. (laughs) I saw this guy when I think it was the Euros to be fair, so probably two years ago. Um, and immediately after watching him across 90 minutes, I saw what he can do. And it's just like, you know what? This guy, he might not be there yet because I know he obviously had a few. He was at Dortmund and then it didn't really work out. He had a couple loan spells. But from what I saw in that competition alone, he was absolute dynamite. And I know people say you can't you can't just go off an international tournament, but sometimes you can. And from what I saw on that day and in, in, in those games where I watched him, I was like, this guy is is a, is a star in the making. And I'm very, I'm not jealous because, you know, I, I love Darwin Nunes as well. And I think that he's going to, I still have faith in him to come good. But Alexander Isak is a problem. And just without jumping too far ahead on Sunday, I think he's going to cause us a lot of problems. He's he's class. He is. I'm, I, I, when he came in, I think a lot of Newcastle fans didn't know too much about him. I think that's, and it, and it, was a, it was a sign that took us by surprise. But the fact he was able to do what he was able to do when he got an injury for most of last season and he came back mid-season and suddenly started tearing trees out the ground. I mean, he's... And I'm sure you <laughs> both absolutely loved that Maisie run that he did at Goodison Park when we smashed Everton. Unbelievable. And he's just... I mean, even he's finished last week against Aston Villa for him to chip the keeper. I'm sure you both watched the highlights in that high-pressure situation the way that he did. 
to even we haven't had that level of quality in a striking area for so long. But it's it's a big debate for Newcastle fans at the moment. Callum Wilson starters, Isaac staff. For me, there's only one answer because Isaac offers so much more than just a goal scorer like Callum Wilson. Yeah. He, he's done nothing wrong, but Isaac can link up. He loves to drive at his man. And I, as much as it might sound to some people like a jokey comparison, I understand people who've compared him to Thierry Henry. Not saying he's going to be as good, but his playing style is quite similar. Yeah, and right. he, no, I agree. Yeah, even the way Isaac can adapt that left-hand side like Thierry Henry uh, did for large parts of his career before he moved over to a striker. There's so many similarities there with, with how they like to carry the ball. And it's long may continue. I would love to say that Isaac is our our striker for the next, because he's so young for the next seven, eight years, because he looks like he's just yeah. going to get better and better and better. Yeah, I think the big factor for you as well is this season's going to be St. James's Park, right? So you you know, you talk about these individual players, and I will say I think you know, Wilson wins you a game, Isaac wins you a trophy. That's probably the difference between the two players, if you know about if that if that metaphor makes sense, you know, that analogy rather makes sense. Um, but I feel like St. James's Park is especially in Europe, is gonna be a huge defining factor for you. Cause I think when that place gets rocking, you know. I can only talk about what I know. I know when Anfield gets rocking, it's the, it's the 12th man, it wins you a game. I think St. James's Park is very similar in that sense. Uh, I had a friend of mine went to university uh, in Newcastle. He went a couple of Newcastle games. Bit of a fake fan, but he went a couple of Newcastle games. <laughs> he's a Liverpool <laughs> fan, but he, he was going Newcastle games because he's just like, it's local, isn't it? <laughs> so he's trying his best to get tickets and get in. And he said the atmos- atmosphere there when you guys took the lead, it was it was unlike anything he'd witnessed apart from, apart from Anfield. And I think European nights home games if you get through the group stage i'll i'll say this now right ben you might want to cut this this won't look good on me i think if you get through the group stage there's a very good chance that you look good to the quarters like probably maybe past the quarters if you have a good chance the only reason i say that is because i think at home and i remember this was spurs when spurs got in that champions league for their first season gareth bale carried them without a doubt but yeah. their home form how they were at home uh, at white hart lane at the time you, know, you just couldn't get near them. There was something about them. There was an atmosphere because the fans were there. And I just feel like Newcastle might have that. I think the fans going to... Your fans will take you a long way this season. You know, you, it's all about the players you invest in, but I think your fans are top class. So uh, I'm kind of worried about you, if I'm honest. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried about Newcastle a little bit, I'll be fair. I, I, I agree on the, on the home games and I think it's one of them, although I want them to, so un- underestimate us at your peril, I would say, to some of the Champions League managers, maybe the teams who... Will maybe might just see us as that fourth fourth seeded team and be like, right, we'll go there a bit cautious, but we won't necessarily have to set up defensively because the way we press, which again I know you guys can relate to because it's been a foundation of what Liverpool have done so well for the past two or three years. Our intensity when we are on it, the way Eddie Howe wants us to be, like Aston Villa. I mean, they they maybe had a bit of an off day at St James's a couple of weeks ago, but my God, we absolutely put them in a chokehold. They just Absolutely. couldn't. They couldn't pass the ball. They couldn't get out, and it was just attack after attack after attack. And if we can do that to some of the Champions League teams, I mean, I look at the guys that have gone, gone through the knockout stages. I'm not going to jump the gun and say we can get there, but I, I'd be very, very surprised if this Newcastle team firing on all cylinders with everybody fit just goes yeah. out like some teams who get the Champions League for the first time in years goes out with goes out with a whimper. I'd be very, very surprised. Yeah, it's momentum. Yeah, absolutely. And we're just going to get on into the season so far. I know that sounds ridiculous because we've played two games. But um, yeah, you briefly mentioned near how you absolutely battered Aston Villa. And let's not forget Villa are a team that 
everyone's been talking about for top six finish and Emery's come in and have spent a lot of money as well. And then the following week, you go to Man City and I think I'm right in saying you were pretty pleased with the performance, even though you, you narrowly lost. Um, it seemed like the general consensus was that, you know, you went toe-to-toe with them. Um, there's no shame really going there and losing 1-0. I mean, we got battered last season for a while. I was there. It was the worst away day of my life. Um, so, yeah, talk to us, mate. Talk about the season so far, the first two games. Uh, what can we learn from it? What can we take from it? And ultimately, what are you going to bring from those games into into Sunday? Yeah, uh, obviously very contrasted matches. I think I would have known that before the season even started. Um, Aston Villa at home, yes, a difficult a difficult game and lots of talk going into that of these are the te- this is one of the teams that's going to be in and around you. They've spent well. It's a very difficult game, which I thought it was going to be. And I did not expect us to turn it on in the way that we did. Um, apologies if you can hear her in the background. It's all right. It's creating an uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk to you while sorting it. Um, and then Man City was, I mean, I went down to City. It was sort of a free hit almost. Sorry, Max. Um, it was a free hit. And we did. We went tour to tour. And I mean, my... I kind of do like a, a written blog as well as as well as YouTube. And I did in my written vlog, I said the most pleasing thing about the Man City game for me was that we now have a team and a manager who allows us to go to go to the Etihad and not just enjoy the trip down, expecting us to put every man behind the ball and have a horrible ninety minutes, but actually have a go and stay quite you know and play quite positive. And man, the Man City match for me just was a, a really positive reminder if anyone was worried that our defensive work from last season would not carry into this season that was the proof was there that it will be because we were so organised so disciplined and if we had a bit more quality in the final third if Almiron was maybe not the man on the ball in certain areas if Callum Wilson didn't mess up what was a three on one at one, at one point as we were attacking and somehow the ball ended up backwards to the left we might have got something. Man City had chances. They were the better team. They deserved to win. But all it looked to me was that's where we can get to. And I think, what have I learned from them two matches? We've still got the intensity at home. St. James's Park, as you were saying earlier, Mike, is, a, is, is hopefully going to continue to be an awful place for teams to yeah. come. And last season proved that. I mean, you, you, guys, you guys got a win last year at, at St. James's. And I actually thought we played quite well. Especially um, against 10, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, I really thought we were... Honest. Yeah, I thought first 10 minutes we started with intensity and I was a bit frustrated to come away away from that with a defeat. But that's what I learned from the first game, that the intensity is there. I think Tanali is only going to get better and better for us. He looks a class act. He looks really, really versatile, covering every blade of grass. And then the Man City game taught me that we can mix things up a little bit and, and really switch onto that organised side, but we are just as strong defensively as what we were last year. Now we've added Lewis Hall into that mix, maybe to add a little bit more going forward from a defensive point of view. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic after the first two matches. There was a bit of a meltdown from some quarters after the Man City game. <laughs> um, just, I, I say meltdown, that's probably an exaggeration, but you might have heard about Bruno responding to a post on Twitter. I've seen that, yeah. Um, I actually don't think the post that was questioned, the actual account that, that put it, said anything wrong. They were actually saying, is the criticism that people have been pushing out on Twitter justified? So I don't think yeah. that, that account deserved to get as battered as it did. But yeah. a couple of people are talking about individual performances. Bruno hasn't really been at the races for a while now. Almiron maybe not offering us the quality on the right-hand side that maybe we could do with. But generally speaking, 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still full of beans, absolutely full of beans from the first two matches. Mike, just before you go, mate, because um, I know you want to ask a question, uh, Stefan says to you, Matthew, where can we access your written, well, I'm assuming that means blogs. <laughs> um, I just, at the moment, I mean, I'm across all sources. I post lots of different types of content. It's, it's on my Facebook page. I post I post the vlog. The blog, not vlog, blog. Blog, perfect. Go on then, Mike. What you got to say, yeah. mate? Just, just a quick one. So obviously, I, don't, I know you said you're full of beans. Don't mean to empty them beans out by any means. But is there anything you're particularly worried about this season other than, you know, obviously you can talk about the fixtures. I mean, I understand that being a concern. But you look at the squad, you mentioned a couple of things there. Is there anything you look at and you go, I'm worried about this or the fans in general are a little bit worried? I mean, Liverpool fans' worries are pretty obvious to you, I'm sure. But from a Newcastle side of things, what are you guys worried about going into this season? Um... My worry would certainly be, I think, if we got an injury, it's centre-back. I know you were talking about it earlier where we maybe haven't strengthened this summer. If if Sven Botman or Fabian Scher picks up an injury, we are very short there. Yeah, he's things. crucial for you, isn't he, Botman? He's crucial. Yeah. Apologies again, by the way. My dog is now chewing something she shouldn't be, which is very annoying, <laughs> which I'm trying to get on there. <laughs> we love dogs on this channel. Stefan set up here, yeah. mate, don't we? We can use we can use that as a transition, Ben, if you'd like. Moving on to Honestly, the game, I know you're saying it's fine, but it will get annoying if it keeps happening. So, I'll, oh, it's all good. I put her in a tracks there. Um, concerns, I think, a little bit a position that I wanted us to strengthen in the summer, which not that many Newcastle fans did necessarily. I don't think is maybe a central attack and Roman midfielder to to maybe bring us some more goals. Now I know Barnes is going to do that. I think the proof's in the pudding with what he's done at a struggling Leicester team. He will offer us goals. But I'm still a little bit concerned because that's going to come from more of a wide area. Barnes isn't the sort of midfielder to roam into central areas. Tonali's going to bring something in that area because he, he's, he's very versatile. He likes to cover every blade of grass and he does have quality. But I can totally see why Eddie Howe wanted James Madison. And I've said that from day one. He, he, he turned heads from Newcastle fans as soon as he, it was confirmed that he wanted to go to Spurs. A lot of Newcastle supporters were saying he's he, he's not good enough anyway. I'm not bothered. That was very <laughs> much just you know putting your guard up as as football fans do. I can totally see why Eddie Howe wanted him for two transfer windows because that would be the sort of player that can fit in. And I know we play a system where he would he would have to bring one of our better players out, but just someone on the edge of that 18 yard box to make things happen and score goals as well. And I still think that's an area we're going to struggle with is goals from midfield. Yeah, just on the Madison thing before I bring it back to Liverpool, Stefan do, does comment this, and I was going to ask you this as well. How serious was the Dominic Soboslai chat? Because we all saw that, you know, from our end, it looked like Ozan knew we were going to go for him. But was it from, from what you read or what you, you saw, was it like, did you bid for him? Was you considering getting him or...? <laughs> There's a couple of signings now that have caused debate in our supporters group on the regular on social media. And I kind of stand by the fact that there's nothing come out to suggest that we've ever made it. It was very much the case of Diaby. When Diaby signed for Aston Villa, a lot of Newcastle fans said, why, why have we not got him? There's nothing out there substantial enough from any media sources strong enough for us to believe that Eddie Howe wanted them players. Because yeah. Sabozlai... Yes, he might have had options, and I, I think I think it's fair to say that Liverpool would still be the most attractive option for a player from overseas. And I'm I, I'm not I'm not going to be that fan who says otherwise. Maybe in a couple of years, Newcastle <laughs> yeah, might maybe, be yeah. more appealing. The Champions League football might have worked in our favour a little bit with that, but Liverpool is still such a 
club of such prestige. But Diaby, if we'd have wanted Diaby a year ago when we were linked with him, we would have got him. I genuinely yeah, believe yeah. with the money that and those are players. So, so on the topic of him, I don't know whether we ever wanted him. I think based off what I know about the player, and I don't watch much German football, and you guys will be able to tell me a little bit more about how he's done for you so far in the first two matches. I think he would have he would have fit in nicely into the kind of player that I would have liked in our ranks, yeah. that our squad. But whether we were actually ever in in in, him, in for him, Ben, I know that maybe doesn't answer your question. No, no, it's fine. I don't it's... know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Um... Listen, we're going to talk about Liverpool for a couple of minutes, mate. So you catch your <laughs> breath. We've asked you a lot of stuff in the last oh, two fine, minutes. Yeah. Uh, Mike, that's just we'll, Dom will come into conversation. I'm pretty sure in a moment. But I want to. I know it seems a lifetime ago since we asked Matthew this question, which is great because we've had so many different conversations. But um, let's talk about our two first games, mate. We um, drew to Chelsea away from home, and we beat Bournemouth at home. And I think it's fair to say, in both games there were positives and negatives to take from it. But if you want to sort of take anything from those two games heading into this Newcastle game, what would be like the main factors for you in terms of positives and negatives? I mean, Endo's the second coming of Roy Keane. Obviously, it's probably like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm kidding. Uh, 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 please, no, that's sarcasm. Uh, no, uh, I think the main thing I take from it is that oppression's back. I think, uh, you know, last season, there was a lack of energy in the team just all around. And I think that we lost our identity for a large part of the season. I think I can still, I can see Liverpool in, in the, in, in these players in this team in the first two games, we're rough around the edges to say the least. I, you know, I stand by what I said earlier, you know, in preseason, you know, this is the restart of a second phase in a way. This is a rebuild, a proper rebuild. And it's a shame that the, you know, maybe the business hasn't reflected that thus far. I'm still yes. hopeful, even though we're, there we go. yeah, even though it's, it's not over just yet and we'll, and we'll be streaming on deadline day. Don't worry, me and Ben will be crying into the camera. Uh, Last time happened, sold. we signed off a mellow. So uh, I, I can't wait. Too much hope. Yeah. Salah will go for 25 mil. We'll sign Anthony Gordon from Newcastle for 5 mil on loan. Oh God. Hope what, a, what a moment. What a rebuild. Um, No, it's, I think for me, it's, you know, the signings will look great. I think Sobosly, you know, we'll come on to him properly in a minute. McAllister's look fantastic. Endo had a little cameo. He looks neat and tidy. You know, we'll see how he gets on against Newcastle, most likely. Um, all the forward line look electric. All of them. Like, I think Jota had a bit of an iffy game to begin with, but Jota does what Jota does. Jota's a poacher. You know, he gets a goal where he needs to. But our concerns still remain the same. You know, I think we are very susceptible to a counter-attack. Canate and Trent's positioning, I'm still not sold on. Yeah, I think it can work. I think it can work. I think it still needs a lot of work, but it can work. And we need a six. So it's it's what kind of what we were talking about last year in a lot of different ways. But um, there's a lot of positives and a lot of negatives at the same time. So uh, I'm not going crazy like Twitter is, but, you know, I'm still somewhat sane. Uh, but how, how are you feeling about the first two games, man? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I was at Salford Bridge. Um, unfortunately, couldn't get to the last game because of this new stupid stand, and I could rant about that for hours, of, but I'm not going to do that for tonight's uh, stream. But um, the Chelsea game, I was relatively happy with it in terms of the first half, at least. I thought the first half, we looked incredible. The goal we scored as well was a beautiful team goal. Um, and again, that's something that we can take massive, massive confidence in that you know i know there's been a lot of conversation about um you know 
are, are we going to keep that identity that we had towards the back end of last season? And it looked like from the start of that Chelsea game, at least, um, that was going to be the case. But obviously in the second half, Chelsea got back into it and then it was sort of backs to the wall. And it was a bit disappointing to see it end up in, in that situation because we looked like the far better team in the first half. But um, yeah, the Bournemouth game comes and again, I, that is sort of like a polar opposite. We started off really bad in that Bournemouth game and then as the game got going, in fact, when we went down to 10 men, I think that's when we actually improved yeah. and started to actually play football. So it's interesting how that happens. You know, people think like, oh, when you go down to 10 men, you just fold. But it actually doesn't usually happen like that. Um, and I know we mentioned it about the Newcastle game when Pope got sent off last season. Um, but yeah, th- like you say, there's positives to take. Just touching on Dom real quick. He's been an absolute saviour I think I know it sounds very silly to say but to see a midfielder actually run his socks off in 90 minutes I mean that sounds like rocket science but it's really not like we didn't see that much last season at all Um, and Dom is just a physical beast he's a monster and I think that was something we all knew when we signed him we saw the stats we saw him batter the lactate test and at the end he said oh I could have carried on going so the fitness levels and just the way that he can play that box to box role I think he's going to be crucial for us this season. Uh, but going to this Newcastle game, I am slightly more confident now than I was, you know, when I saw the fixture at the start of the season. You see, you got Chelsea and Newcastle in the space of three games away from home because we went to Stamford Bridge and we got a point. And look, I'm not saying let's go and play for the point at Newcastle by any means. But if that is the result from those two away not games, it's not the worst result. Like, um, look, I still think we're going to win. Okay, I'll always say that no matter what the situation is. If you don't think the team can win, what's the point? So you're going to um, hate my take, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no. From the first two games, I think there is a lot of positives. Like you say, there's a bit of apprehension as well in some situations. But um, it is going to be a blockbuster game, I would imagine. Yeah. And um, I just want to move things on slightly. You're actually going to put. I'm going to let you two do it. In fact, I'm not going to have an influence in this. But Matthew, let's do this, mate. Oh, uh, here we go. go you're on. picking the team to face Liverpool right, on okay. Sunday. Um, I'm sorry to put you on the spotlight, but are you happy with this formation, or is there going to be a change? Um, we would we would normally go. I think if we go four three three, four three three. Got you. There yeah. we are. Carl Darlow in goal. Oh no, Carrius in goal. Let's go. <laughs> yep. Bring him back. <laughs> Is he still on your books? Yeah, Carriers is, oh, yeah. Wow. So obviously it's yeah. hoping goal. Hoping goal. It, to be honest, it's it's it it the team at the moment picks itself a little bit. I, I would maybe make one change personally, so we'll get to that in a second. So burn burn it left back. I know there's obviously talk about Will Hall, Hall be thrown in. I wouldn't chuck him in this early. Um, I think we'll have to be defensively pretty sound um against Hughes and although Dan Byrne can be a little bit suspect against Pierce. He didn't do too badly last season. Um, obviously, Botman share centre backs. I need to always click on this. So Botman, if you guys are watching on audio, I do apologise, but we are doing something that you require a screen for. So, yeah, watch it on YouTube next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then trips it right back. Good old Captain Trips. And then we would go Tonali, Bruno and Joe Linton as that first three. Tonali, Joe Linton. Just on Joe Linton, is he available? 
Yes. Um, okay. I know. Did he go off with a knock in the last game? As far as I understand, it was nothing serious. I mean, he, he didn't have his best game at Man City, to be totally honest with you. Um, he was a lot of a couple of old players, which is why I said there was a bit of a meltdown on social media about players' performances. Joe Linton gave the ball away quite a lot. Wasn't his yeah. best game for us because he's normally here, there, and everywhere. Um, front three, obviously, Isaac down the middle. You suck. I think the Gordon Barnes debate is a really tough one because Barnes knows where the goal is. But Gordon has started the season really, really positively for us after his Euro 21 campaign as well in the summer. And I think against Liverpool, it just adds a little bit more spice. So I would go Gordon on the left. And then I would actually go um, a lot of... Almiron has a lot of fans at Newcastle. I've never been a huge Almiron fan in terms of the quality that he offers. I know he went through a purple patch last season when he was scoring goals in his sleep. I would go Jacob Murphy on the right-hand side. Jacob Murphy, Ooh. interesting. I would, I would. Given our full-backs an easy day, I appreciate that. Are you yeah. happy with these two centre-mids? On, on, do they have a specific side and does Denali play? Um, the, um... To, it's, it's an interesting one. Denali and Bruno are basically trying to build a relationship with each other down that right-hand side where they switch it up. So Bruno and Tonali will, will switch that central position quite a lot. Okay. Joe so Linton Linton likes to switch with the switch with the left winger, generally speaking, when we attack. So Joe Linton will be more left sided. Okay. I know Jacob Murphy might surprise you, and he's probably a player from the outset looking in. I totally get why you would go, Oh God, Jacob Murphy. He finished the season for us really, really strong. And he didn't look he didn't look too shabby in pre-season neither. And the way him and Almiron are very different, obviously Almiron has no right foot. But Jacob Murphy is just a little bit more direct, and he doesn't necessarily have that that super quality that some of our other players yeah. in, in, under this Saudi regime do now. That extra level, maybe for Champions League and whatnot. But he mm. likes to get a shot off. He likes to get a ball into the box, and he likes to run at his man. Um, I do think that's the next area you target in the window, though. As much as I think you need to sign the right centre back, I do think your next big signing has to be a winger. It has to be the right yeah, side. You didn't let go of Saint Max. Well, I agree. Uh, listen, I, I think you know Murphy. I, I, I listen. I have a very small sample size of watching him. I can't comment on him, and I won't be disrespectful in commenting on him. I think Almiron, like you said, it, he's a talented player, but I do think it was a purple patch. I really do. I don't think I do. we're going to see I do. that. You know, and I, I don't think that's disrespectful to say. And he wanted like, to call out Jack Grealish as well. Don't forget. Also, yeah, I did kind of rate that Jack Grealish <laughs> little feud. Yeah, that was very entertaining. Um, <laughs> it was, it was fun. But I do think that I'm surprised you haven't gone for it in this window. Um, maybe you're waiting out until January. Maybe you're waiting until next summer. Maybe they're going to sign Mo Salah. Maybe you'll try and sign Mo Salah. I, I tell you what, I'd come to Newcastle myself if you did that. And, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Obviously, I'm joking. But uh, what do you think your lineup then? Do you think that's how quality do you think that is? Do you think that's strong enough to beat Liverpool? I do. Um, I'm looking again. Two very different performances we've seen from this team, which is mainly that team, apart from that, that right-hand-sided midfield change that I've brought in, because Almiron started our first two matches. I do think Eddie Howe will go with Almiron, so I've got to think about it that way in terms of what I think what I, what I think will actually beat Liverpool on, on Sunday. If we can be as clinical as, as we were against Aston Villa, where we still missed a hat full of chances... I think that that could be a big difference in 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 whether we win or, or whether we get a even a positive draw because Liverpool are going to have chances. You guys are going to have chances. 
There's no denying that at all. Dan Byrne could potentially have a terror time down that left-hand side against Mo Salah, if Mo Salah plays, of course. I'll assume that Mo Salah will play. Yeah, he will. Um, I do think we, we certainly have enough in the tank. We've, we've got that Man City performance has not stopped our momentum too much because I think Eddie Howe will have got across the message as I tried to in the aftermath on my content that there was a lot of positives to take from that. We went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams probably in Premier League history and mm. the best team in the world right now. So I, st- I still think we are coming into this with a spring in our step and there's lots of players. I- I'm so fa- I'm going to be so fascinated to see how Tonali does on Saturday. Yep. It's a big yeah. test for him. It's a big yeah, test for him. And, um, yeah. I, you know, sorry, go, go right ahead, man. No, it's no, all right. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah, no, I think I think for me, Tonali, it's a cliche, isn't it? You know, the, the game's won in midfield. I think you've got a very, very energetic midfield in Newcastle. I think Tonali, Bruno and Joel Linton, if there's one thing those three have got between them is legs, I think all three of them as well can put a tackle in. Don't get me wrong, I don't think Joel Linton gets the ball when he puts a tackle in, but he'll put a tackle <laughs> in. Uh, <laughs> I, I love... Yellow card specialist. Isn't he just... I, every time I watched Newcastle last season, I was like, you can tell he used to be a striker, can't you? You, you can tell. <laughs> So some of them tackles, mate. You don't know where the ball is, um, but he's listen. He, he's transformed under Eddie Howe, and I, I think he's certainly become a crucial player for you. And I do think, as I say, it is one of the lost. I think it's about how Tonali handles whoever we play in the nine. Um, I, I really do. If, if you can stop him dropping in, getting the ball, if it's Gakpo, if it's Jota, you know, whoever we play there, even if it's Nunes, you know, it's about stopping that. You stop that, and you stop a lot of our build-up play. I feel. Well, Mike, speaking on that. Oh, so turn, mate, I'm putting you under the spot. Is right. I don't think what we play or what, what we whatever it is we're trying to do is on here. So I think we're just gonna have to stick with the four three three for three visual makes sense. purposes, yeah. and then you can yeah. talk through whatever it's gonna be. Um, this is our defensive setup in a way, you know. So it's nothing wrong with the four three three. Listen, I, I think the team picks itself for the most part. So I don't buy into the yeah. Robo left back for us. Then you have Canate Van, Van Dyke Canate. Now there is a bit of a debate going on within the social media frame of uh, about Trent, which I I no, don't buy no, into. No, 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 There's no, no. no but ben, ben, I'm I'm gonna explain it, all right? Because he may not have seen it, all Absolutely. right, Matthew. I don't think you've seen this. Right, go on. And, and listen, there is no disrespect because at the end of the day, it's a football fan's opinion and they're all valid until they're not. Uh, yeah, it's and, straight I'm, up delusion. That's what it is. Ben, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'll be respectful. All right. <laughs> there is an opinion out there basically uh, that maybe Joe Gomez should start headed uh, Trent for defensive purposes. Now, when you say it like that, there is a understandable concept behind it. It still isn't something that I think is justified because I think Trent is too influential a player to ever leave out. However, there is a small subsection of the fan base that currently have questioned whether Joe Gomez very is small, very, very small, very, very, it, it very is, small. It is still there. <laughs> Look at me aggregate, uh, aggregating this. They, would I be right in thinking that they are probably the fans who are of the more old-fashioned mindset of a defender should defend Absolutely first and foremost? Not, yeah. Yes, you are correct. Now, the midfield three, thankfully, with the rescinded red card of McAllister, which Thank I hope sends an absolute... Yeah, I hope yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I'd like McAllister there. I'd like Endo in the six. And I'd like Sabah Sly on the right-hand side of the midfield. Endo's on the stage. On the left-hand side. He wow. is fantastic. They, didn't mess about, did they? they do not mess about with their updates. Now, I do think what will be interesting will be which side uh, Sabah Sly plays on. I do think Sabah Sly will play on the uh, right-hand side and McAllister will play on the left, uh, which, you know, I've I do think that's how we'll play. I think Sabasai's getting a good connection with Salah on the right, which is lovely. 
Now, the front three is where there'll be a bit of debate. Salah is definitely on the right-hand side, unless, you know, that £20 million move to you know the Middle East goes through, but we'll see what happens. Um, and this is where the debate is for Liverpool fans. Now, I personally, with this, with Endo coming in the six, I'd like to see Gakpo in the false nine position. I think he's he plays at the best. And I think with Newcastle, we want to draw Tonali out of position and you want to draw Botman out as well where possible. So you want a player that can drop deep and take the ball well. I think Gakpo is perfect for that. Now, this may not go down well. I would like Jota there, not Diaz. Uh, the reason for it is because I think coming up against Trippier, he's a very good defender. Diaz may be able to dazzle dazzle a lot of players. I don't think he'll dazzle past Trippier. What I think Jota can do is his movement to go from looking uninterested to very interested in a split second. is moving off the ball second and on. I think that is where you can beat Trippier on that side. Also against Fabian Cher, who personally I don't rate, but that's just my own personal opinion. Um, listen, it's just my personal opinion. It's also down to, I've seen, only seen a very small amount of him play. So I keep that in consideration. Watch him prove me wrong. Man of the match performance on Sunday. And coming, you know, he does, um, he, he, he does, he does have a worldy strike in his locker. So that he does. But just if be he scores, how, be careful how negatively you speak about him because he might, you might rattle one in from 30 yards. If he does that, I'll block you on Twitter, mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> No, I, think, I think the one player, well, obviously not the one player, but what, what's <laughs> I mean, I should, I should have mentioned that earlier as well when you were talking about weaknesses. I think one way to play us that I'd be surprised if Jurgen Klopp doesn't know going into this game is certainly pace in, in that, in that centre-back partnership. That is one thing. With talk about us maybe needing another centre-back, one thing we do not have in Botman or Shea, even though Botman is of a young age, is legs. And then if you take Dan Byrne and Trippier, who's Trippier's not the fastest fullback, I think the way to play us is is a, is balls in behind and legs okay. the last man. And I think I think, I think and... possibly, possibly. I, I, I know, mm. like for example, like Jota, he's he's not the slowest of players. I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Gakpo's a super quick forward. He's got acceleration. He's not fast, but he can yeah, off the like, mark. Do you know what it is? It's his, it's his long legs as well. Similar to... Well, right, Isak's yeah. obviously quicker, but do you know how they just take like these super long strides? I think that's what it is. It's like deceivingly quick kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. Uh, we, we rely with our centre-backs, which why was why they were so good last season. When playing Pacey players, we rely on Botman just being able, being able to see that the instinct. danger a couple of yards earlier. Yeah. And yeah he makes yeah. up for his lack of pace. But between them... If the right balls are put in behind them, we we just we don't have the legs to keep up with certain. You play players, quite a high line. Them. I'm trying to remember this. I feel like I didn't see too high line against City. But do, do you guys play with a high line at home? It can it can totally differ. It, it would definitely mm. depend on opposition. So you're quite flexible in that sense. You're not yeah. like us. We're very rigid with our high line. You'll see us play a high line against you, um, <sighs> which is which which to be honest, I I you know you look at your front three. I don't know Jacob Murphy very well, but I know that he's quite fast, and I definitely know Isaac is rapid, and I. That's something I am worried about because I think the if you look at us on Sunday, you'll notice positionally if we do play the inverted, which I expect us to, Canate takes up kind of this in-between role where the right back and right centre back should be when we're in possession, right? And Trent comes into this sort of hole alongside the, the defensive midfielder. And what that leaves is this huge gap between our centre halves, right? Which Allison yeah. fills because he steps in. I think if you win the ball back off us when we're in the first phase of possession, you know, or even if we're just around the, the center of the pitch, I think we're in serious trouble. It takes one or two two correct passes, and Isaac will be in one on one, and that's worrying to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's music. Sorry, I was just going to say it's it's right. just, yeah. on the topic of the of the high press. 
I know it's a very different team that we face and compared to what we saw two weeks ago at St. James's Park, but if there's one thing that, that if we are firing all our all cylinders that we prefer to play against, it's a high line. And yeah. Aston Villa, just for whatever reason, did not correct that high line uh, yeah. two weeks ago. Like Even when they made substitutions during the game, they stuck with the same tactics at the back. And it was just, we were just picking them off. It's because... risk and reward, isn't it, really, when you play yes. Newcastle? You yes, know what absolutely. I mean? It's the same when you play Liverpool. You know, me and Ben can attest to that. I think <laughs> Bournemouth, Bournemouth are a good example. We're, listen, we're good in possession. We play a great press and we play a high line. Bournemouth took the risk. They pressed us early on. They got the ball back. But then also risk and, risk and reward. When they tried to press us a bit more in the second half, we cut through them. Yeah. So it's it kind of kind of depends which type of Newcastle and which type of Liverpool turn up on Sunday, really, isn't it? A bit, bit unpredictable this stage of the season. Promises, promises yeah. to be a good game, though, I think. Always is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And just look, my my two cents on this, I would go with this. I'd go with 10 of these players, but I Diaz. think somebody alluded to it. I would go Luis Diaz on the left. Yeah. I, I understand just, that. I just, yeah, just the way he started this season. Do you remember how he started last season before his injury? He was yeah. our best player. I'm not saying he's been our best player this season, but he's he scored two and two so far. And I think that was always the debate with Diaz. Like, yeah, he's got the flair, he's got the tricks, he's fun to watch. But when push comes to shove, has he got that end product? And so far, he's, he's got two and two. He had a really good preseason. Um, I just think, you know, when you're going at these defenders, I would rather it be Luis Diaz. And like you say, I know Jota's goal is to just be a poacher and get those tappings. But at half time, I was screaming for him to come off, mate. He was like, yeah. he, in his defense, he was sort of playing the Gakpo role, which isn't his game because no. we had to play Gakpo in midfield. He had to sort of play that role. Um, so I would go with Luis Diaz here. I also wouldn't be against, and I want Gakpo to play up front as well, but I wouldn't be against Nunes coming in. I love it. Yeah. The ball that Trent played to him, I know Newcastle have improved since then, but last season was just a joke. And look, there was a debate whether he handballed it or not. I don't think he did. But Nunes can cause problems against the Highland. And, you know, he is probably, apart from our quickest forward as well. So if we're looking at space behind a team that aren't blessed with pace, then I think you go with you could go with Nunes, but I completely understand the gap yeah. going. And the other thing I just want to touch on before we close with some score predictions because we're going to wrap up in a moment um Virgil van Dijk now there's been a lot of chat whether he's back or not I'm gonna say I'll give him this game right because I think I, I'm not just saying this because Matthew's on the pod I think this is the toughest test of the season and we've been to Chelsea away I think this is the one where Virgil van Dijk comes out of this with flying colours then I'll say yes, Virgil van Dijk is back at his absolute best I think he's been flawless in the first two games but Virgil van Dijk has a level that, you know, it's all well and good him having a couple good games. But Virgil van Dijk for 18 months to two years was consistently 10 out of 10 for us. And I have the highest standards for Virgil van Dijk. He started the season, like I said, flawlessly and long may it continue. But if he does it at St. James's Park, Mike, then I'll sit here and say, yes, Virgil van Dijk is back to his absolute yeah. best. I'll agree with that. I think for me, you know, because he's got the armband, it sounds weird. I want to see him under pressure and I want to see how he deals with it because I think what makes a great captain isn't, you know, two good, deep, you know, good games. You know, he didn't put a foot wrong, but I w- would also argue he wasn't put under immense pressure in Bournemouth. And, you know, yeah. we, we kind of, the, the mistake for Bournemouth came from Trent and, you know, that's a whole thing. But I kind of want to see it. Like, I think if Isaac is constantly running in behind, which he will, Jacob Murphy running at him, 
you're going to have Joel Linton probably just like headbutting one player and then trying to shoot from 30 <laughs> yards. You know, whatever he tries to do is how, however Van Dyke deals with that will be interesting. I think the one thing I've, I've not seen from Van Dyke enough in this first couple of games, as you've seen with Bournemouth, is the leadership side of things. I don't think he was commanding enough for when we made the mistake originally. I don't think he spoke to Alison or Trent correctly, or it didn't look like he did. Obviously, cameras only show so much, so I can't comment on that straight. But we'll see. We'll see if he puts in another 10 out of 10 performance. You know, that's great. I'm not going to, I'm personally not going to say he's back until I've seen it for 10 games straight, but I'm very, I'm, maybe I'm just a bit harsh on Van Dyke for some reason. Just, I don't know. Just very quickly, I'm, I'm, I'm cute. I know you have been asking me questions. I'm curious. So, are you forgetting about this Salah business, which is going on right now, by the way, which which I don't think you'll leave Liverpool. Are you happy with the transfer window or not? Ben? Not yet, no. I think we were sat here before the window saying that we needed a DM, even with Fabinho still at the club, and we needed at least two or three centre-mids. Now, they started off, you know, fair play to them. They got McAllister in for 35 mil. That was obviously a release clause. And then Dominic Swarzlai comes in for 60 mil. Everyone's thinking, oh, you know what? We're actually doing something here now. Um, But then obviously players go, and it's just like, I, I really want Endo to be a success. I'm not one of these guys that will label him off Melo 2.0 or anything like that before I've seen him play properly. And I think from what I've read and from what we saw briefly against Bournemouth, there is a player there. But, you know, when you've put yourself in the shop window with an £110 million bid for Moises Casado, who, yeah, we all laughed at his debut for Chelsea, but let's be real. We know he's going to be a success for Chelsea. Like, come on. Um, when you've done that and then you go from that to getting a £30 million not for, I think it's like £20 million um, guy from Stuttgart. It's, it is a bit underwhelming and mm-hmm. I'll give them the next nine days to see what they do. There's obviously been a lot of talk with Decore, but even if we get a DM, we still said we needed a centre-back as well. So now a lot of us fans are now accepting that our oh, DM could make up this window, but we also said we needed a centre-back, which doesn't look like it's going to be addressed this window. So my answer is probably no. But there's still time. And when there's time, there's still possibilities. So, yeah, Mike, what, what would you say to that? Uh, listen, I'm, I'm in agreement. I think, you know, Sabasly and McAllister are very, very happy with it. And I'm happy with the outgoings too. I think, you know, a lot of people wanted an overhaul and we certainly got one in terms of the outgoings. You know, we got rid of a lot of players uh, that were have been very important to us over the years. Um, we need another defensive midfielder. We need another centre-back. It's just as simple as that. And it's not even another midfielder in terms of an eight. We need a six. We need... Because although this lad, Endo, I hope he's great and I hope he's fantastic for us. I hope he is here for a long time and he does, you know, and he's successful. Of course, I hope that. But I don't feel like we've addressed the main issue still. So it's it's kind of... It, it is what it is. We need a young defensive midfielder that we can have for the next six, seven years and develop them into the top of the game, you know. You look at who we've been linked with and who we've tried to sign... I don't think Endo fit that description. So when Endo came in, for me, it felt like Endo was filling a different category. I don't feel like we've ticked that box yet. So in the same way you, in my opinion, need that right centre-back, we need that six. Um, so it's a matter of wait. We'll see what happens. Uh, if we get a centre-back on top, obviously, that'd be fantastic. But we'll we'll see, I suppose. But from the outside looking in, does our business look okay? What do you, What does it look like from the outside? Probably just probably just okay. That is probably, yeah. Like like you were just saying, I think McAllister after after the the hype that he's had, and you tell you tell him he's looked really good since he's come in. Obviously, I know he got wrongly sent off as it was in the end. I think he's a good signing. 
I, I can't. I, I wouldn't be able to comment as I couldn't when he was linked with Newcastle on Saboslai on what sort of player he is coming in. I didn't know enough about him. I hadn't watched enough of him. But yeah, probably he's just okay. I mean, I know. I know you were saying you wanted to wrap up, Ben. So apologies if I'm chucking these questions. No, no, it's so good. I think because. I would like to hope Newcastle are in and around Liverpool. I think Liverpool, for me, from the outset, is one of them clubs. I think Arsenal went through this for a while, where I was a bit unsure what their fans' expectations were, what their identity were going yeah. into, into seasons of, right, what do we actually realistically expect? Because, obviously, you've won the title recently, not not too long ago. Is it is it just Champions League and maybe a cup run? Is it, is it... No, Champions League and a cup, I think, would be... Right. Nothing to write home about, say if it was Champions League and Europa League or Champions League and the FA Cup. I think that's the bare minimum we'd expect at this stage. If it was right. just top four, then, uh, you know, again, like we're, I know Klopp always says it, that that's our first priority. And look, we were winning titles, we were winning Champions League trophy and Klopp still said it. The number one aim is to get top four. So, but from a fan's perspective, when you see all these players that we've got now that are sort of, I don't want to be too negative, but some of them may be coming away from their time here. Like obviously Salah, we know within the next two years, whether he goes this summer or not, he will be gone. Um, Virgil van Dijk, probably the same with him. We need to win some more trophies whilst they're still here. And I think this is a good opportunity because we, we get back in the top four. And then, you know, you'd probably say we're strong favourites right now for Europa League. I know teams will drop down. And knowing our look, Real Madrid will probably drop down to the Europa League this year, um, the one year that we're in it. But yeah, as it stands, we're probably firm favourites for that. Um, I think in the last two years or so, we've sort of taken the domestic cups more seriously than we had before. And I think that is partly down to actually having a decent enough squad to do that now. I think when you look at Klopp's first few squads when he came in, people said, Oh yeah, he's disrespecting the cups, but we just didn't have the players. Like the drop off from the first team players to the bench was astronomical. Now we've got young players like Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones, Ben Doak, um, so, you know, some more uh, Stefan Bassetic who's coming back. We've got the players that can be competitive. So yeah, I think I don't know what Mike thinks, but top four and a trophy, maybe two trophies, I don't know. But um, yeah, as long as we get top four for this season um, and look up the table then win a trophy as well. I'm relatively okay with that for this sort of transitional period. Yeah, I think I'm, I I feel somewhat similar. I, I, if we sign a defensive midfielder, and to be honest, it, listen, it doesn't need to be necessarily this world-class player that everyone wants or anything like that. Like, I know we've been linked with Decorey and I'd love Decorey as well. But if we just sign another midfielder that defensively is very, you know, very good, then I personally, for me, you know, I, I'm similar to what uh, Georgie said uh, in the chat, for me, top three in Europa League is what I what I personally would like. You know, Europa League completes the Klopp collection of every trophy, which is just a bit of an ego thing, I suppose, isn't it? But <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is what it is, I suppose. It's the first first final, second final we lost or something like that in his first se- first half season. Um, yeah. And it was it's the one trophy he's not won with us. So it would be nice to win that. I would say top three just because I. it's not that we don't have Europe this season, but I feel like we have enough to concentrate on the league more than other teams. I feel like Newcastle potentially can get distracted with Champions League, rightfully so. Arsenal, again, could get... They've already picked up one or two injuries with Champions League as well, could get pulled a little bit thin. I don't think Arsenal are as strong as everyone has made them out to them to be this year. I don't. Um, I think they're fantastic. I don't think they'll challenge for the title, but I just think they've got a little bit too much on their plate for that. Um, 
and they have a lot of players they're trying to get rid of at the moment. They had four players trained away from the team today, and I just don't think that that mustn't create a good atmosphere in the dressing room. Um, mm. I don't think United are going to. Who, who does that leave then? Who do you think, just on the back of that, who do you think will be challenging for the title then? Because I, I'm kind of looking, with, with you ruling out Arsenal to a degree, which I can understand what you're saying, you think, and Chelsea, if their new players don't hit the ground running, I don't, should, I should I the Liverpool then start to come into the conversation from that group of uh, teams? This is going to sound pretty rough, and maybe it's just because I'm quite tired. So I'm, I flip-flop. I might change my opinion by Sunday, you know? <laughs> but I, I, I feel like, the current title race really doesn't look like it's going to be a title race. I think this could be quite a disappointing season for it. I, I think United don't look like they're a good side for me. Chelsea, I don't think we'll mesh in time. I think we're good, but we're not good enough. I think Newcastle are good, not good enough. Spurs are good, not good enough. And City is City. I, I think if City go and sign, I mean, they've signed Doku, and I think if they sign another midfielder as well, like they want to, there's just no getting near them. Uh, I, I, they just, they just isn't. Uh, That's true. You, I watched them against you, and respectfully, they, I don't think they were in top gear by any means. Yeah, and you know, we, I think everyone knew that watching Newcastle played well, but watching that and thinking, new, you know, City have won here one nil, and I don't think they've they don't hit top. We all know this; they don't hit top performance till end of November, December time, and then suddenly they flick a switch, fifteen game winning run, and I don't see any team in the league that looks like they can match that this season. Um, so I think top three. I think second or will most like. I think second could be Arsenal. I just don't think they'll challenge City. I think City are going yeah, to because second and then this second. Like when yeah. we were getting second, we were getting like plus ninety points. Um, and then the I second the one year, United, United got second. Um, was it the COVID season? They were like twenty points behind, and like, oh, we finished second. Yeah, yeah but on, you didn't really. But it, but it's a different type of second, really, isn't it? And not to say second gets you a trophy, but I can see City hitting ninety points this season. I can, and I can see us hitting high 70s I can see pretty much every other team hitting high 70s and I think it'll be interesting the top four race will be really exciting this year I think it'll be really really exciting because fifth place might get Champions League as well correct mm. because of the, mm. the new rule that's came in am I am I wrong I'm about that I'm not sure I'd have to read up I'm, I'm pretty sure I read that today that, that I can't remember what the rule is so someone will have to explain it to me but Matthew you've heard of it as well haven't you we were talking about this on the bus going down to uh, Man City on Saturday Oh, you're talking about getting fifth, were you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd be, I'd be relatively happy with that, to be fair. I'd oh, rightfully so. But that's what I mean. It's like I feel like Champions League will be a great race this year. I think there'll be a couple of surprises. I think Brighton and Aston Villa will surprise a lot of people this year, as as Brighton did last year. Um, but no, I, I don't see it as an entire race. I don't see, I don't see many people in entire race. But... <laughs> Listen, football is a funny thing, isn't it? And a transfer window plays a big part in the season, but. It's not everything. Like we've still got good players. You never know. Like if we're lucky with injuries, which I know is ridiculous to think that with our club. We all know how the club the club is with injuries. But um we'll see what happens. But I agree. I think City will will walk away with it to be honest. But let's wrap up then. Let's get some bold predictions. We'll go guess first. Matthew, putting you on the spot again. What is your prediction for someday? How's it gonna go down and what's the score gonna be? And who's scoring the goals if there's gonna Ooh. be Right, um, so it's so not just a score prediction then. Um, yeah, I've got to kind of, squ- I've got to squint and visualise how I think it's panning out. Um, <laughs> of course, I'm going to back us. We had St James's. We've we've carried our form over from last season, where it was a fortress in our first Villa game. I think it'll be a fantastic match. It'll be a very very tough match. I'm going to go two one Newcastle. I think we will start fast, and I think if if. I think there's a, there's a chance with those two goals we could maybe go into a one or a two goal lead with that really fast start that might catch them yeah. off guard a little bit. 
And then I think Liverpool might ease back into the match, but we might just have a little bit with the, with the substitutes and that squad depth that we now have a little bit more with your Barnes and your Wilsons to come off the bench. We might just have enough to get over the line. So I'm going to go first scorer, Mr. Izak, because he's been the topic of conversation on this call. So why, why would I not go him? And I'll go second goal. I'll go Gordon. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Someone put a comment um, that they're from Liverpool and the dad's at Everton. Fell, I can't find it. And it, it said that he's not missed on Merseyside. So, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> that would that would be interesting if he was to score. He's, he's, he's probably due one because, like I say, he's looked really bright since he started the season for us in pre season. He looked really, really good in America against good opposition. Obviously, Chelsea, Villa, and Brighton. So I think he's only he's only got the one goal for us on the last game of last season when it didn't really matter for much. He's yeah. probably due one, so I'll go Isaac. And for you guys, I'll go if I'm predicting all the goals, I'll go Jota just because he's a bit of a poacher, isn't he? So I feel like he'll pinch I'll one. That. I'll get some vindication if he scores. I'll tell you that. <laughs> go on, Mike. What's it gonna be, mate? I say I will be positive with the score prediction. I'm gonna say I'm gonna be very positive actually. I'm gonna say three 0 uh, out of the blue, I know after everything I've just said, I'm now going to say we're going to be Newcastle 3 0. But I actually do believe that because I had that conversation yesterday with a friend of mine. Um, I think we're going to surprise people with the balance in our team with Endo. I think Endo's going to have a fantastic performance. And I'll put down Sabah Sly 1, Salah 2. And uh, when we come back, and you know, that you guys have won 2 1, just know I did actually put uh, Matthew's <laughs> bet on Matt bet 365, so I'm still a winner. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell, tell you what, I really hope that isn't the scoreline, not because it would be awful to get beat 3-0 at home, but because social media and Twitter is changing a lot in the Newcastle world more recently, I would not log on to any social media if that was the score. <laughs> can I, hey, Matthew, can I give you a word of warning as someone who's watched Liverpool on Twitter go from you know, changing ownership, going from Daglish to Rodgers to Klopp? The more successful your team gets, the more toxic the fan base gets, mate. Absolutely. Already noticing it, already noticing yep. it. It gets really bad, and you'll have people saying despicable things, and it's pretty yeah, awful. Right? People just get spoiled. Um, yeah. Let's not get into it. We could be here to talk about it all day. But, um, Go on, then, my ben, one, Yeah, I saw it boring, but my one is exactly what Matthew said, but the opposite way around. Oh. What, what the same format of how it goes as well? We're going to win 2-1. Um, I think it will be... I think it'll be a cagey game. I think for the first maybe 20, 30 minutes, we might be sort of feeling each other out, seeing how it goes. Be a bit, you know, <laughs> not flat, but like, Shush. not not open. <laughs> sort of but I think the later the game goes on, I think we might just think, you know what, we need to start taking some chances now. And I think it might open up a bit. Mm. Um, I'm predicting for you to score. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think he's actually going to score against us. But for us, I'm going to say Mo Salah and I'm going to say Darwin Nunes from the bench. Oh, Darwin Nunes winner. Oh, my God. That's what he didn't do too badly there last season, so... No, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, they're the predictions, guys. Let us know in the comments what yours are. And if you're watching this back, you know, you can probably laugh at some of the predictions. But, um, yeah, we're going to leave it there, guys. I think we've had a great discussion covered a lot of stuff um matthew's link is in the description so if you guys just want to go and check him out drop him a subscription and um yeah i'm sure he'll 
drop a video when the game's done? Is that what you normally do, like a match reaction sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do match vlogs, match previews, and then all the big talking points as the week goes on, which obviously it, it transfer season as well. There's obviously plenty to talk about. And then a lot of jokey content across other socials. So I'm a bit yeah. of a bit of a mixed bag, to be totally honest with you. A bit of a mixed bag. Absolutely. And drop him a follow on Twitter as well. I believe that's your handle on the screen now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And um, Mike, obviously, will be back. I won't be on the match reaction because I'm going. I've got, I'm blessed enough to have a ticket. So me and my brother are going up to Newcastle. Bank on uh, a Sunday, Newcastle away. That's got, that's got a ticket in every box. Yeah. It I'll tell you right now, Ben. Good luck. If, if we don't get a win, or actually, better yet, if we win and you leave that stadium, go find Matthew. <laughs> go find him. Be in his match reaction in the background. He's, he's actually all right. He's all right. He's all right. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, you'll need him as a bodyguard yeah. to get out of there. No, you know what? I actually might do that, to be fair. Do a little match reaction if I can see it. But um, yeah, I went last season. I, I'm already starting to stretch my uh, my legs because I'm, I'm going to need to make sure I'm in tip-top condition to get up those stairs in the away. Oh, definitely. Uh, it was definitely. Absolute yeah, drop, us a, drop us a message on Sunday, Ben. Because like I said, I do my match reactions with fans. It would be great to get you on and get your thoughts about the match. Yeah, man. Let you know. Oh, please. Um, but yeah, like, uh, the vase of flowers says, big up the Geordies in Europe. Give it a good shot, tune lads. There we go. I'm sure they will. Um, sorry, Mike. Did you click one that you wanted to read? Yeah, I was just picking up Georgie's idea because I'd love that if Georgie. that happened. Big up Georgie. Yeah, absolutely. But guys, smash the like button if you haven't already. Subscribe to the channel. We're on route to 2.5k, and we'll see you on Sunday for the match reaction. Take care and goodbye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.